Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to the BBC Good Food Podcast with Tom Kerridge. I'm your podcast host, Orlando Murrin, and on this show, we're going to talk about some brilliant recipes and we'll even be tasting some of Tom's own creations. Hello and welcome to the BBC Good Food podcast with Chef Tom Kerridge and food writer Rosie Burkett. And today we're talking about bread and all things bready. And just to get us into the mood, I'd like to ask you both, how do you take your toast? What do you mean by like, how do I take my toast? What do you have on your toast? Oh, what do I have on it? (laughs) Well, it depends on the time of day, doesn't it? (laughs) See, if it's breakfast time, marmalade. Like, I'm, I'm a big fan of, like, orange marmalade. Or, it, it's, I mean, to be, my little man, he likes, he likes strawberry jam. But you know what kids are like? They'll go, yeah, I want it. And then he only eats half of it. So, it, you know, every now and then I'll have half a strawberry jam on toast. So, But normally if I'm going to have it for breakfast, it'll be marmalade. And what about the bread that the marmalade is on? It don't matter. Yeah, like for me, it really doesn't matter. Bread is lush. It's, a, it's I love it. I mean, it, it, childhood memories. If you know, like the really cheap sliced white bread that sticks to the roof of your mouth, that's great. That's fine. I've got no problem with that. Like in the right occasion, you know, it, it's not something we'd serve in a restaurant. Don't get me wrong. You're not coming to us and we're serving you mighty white. It's all right, you know. <laughs> However, you know, in, in the right circumstance, bread like that's not too bad. It fills a purpose. It's, it's all right. But you know, the reality of bread should be made with care made with love uh, uh, you know you can always tell like anything when you make food it's about leaving it to the process uh, the heart the soul is really really important and those natural uh, the, the the natural ra- raising agents not ones that are done with um, baker's yeast you know ones with done with living that, that, that can grow like sourdoughs they're the ones that where they you know they take 48 hours to make I mean how cool is that something like that and they come from a mother that that has the, the of a layman that, that, that has been going for some for 10, 15 years. You know, people are, that bread is amazing when you look at the whole process of it. Yeah, it's, the, it's an art form in many ways, but the, the basic slice of white is at the other end of the scale. And Rosie, how do you, how do you take your toast? Well, as Tom pointed out, it does depend on the time of day, but it, I usually oscillate between soaking with good salted butter um, and just a lick of Marmite, because I'm one of those people that loves Marmite, absolutely love it. Um, and or just just pure butter, but it has to be quite a lot of butter so that it's kind of dripping through the holes onto the plate and then you can wipe it out with your finger afterwards. Or a little bit of really nice, actually quite a lot of really nice thick honey and maybe a little pinch of salt on there as well. Oh, excellent. Well, we've got some ideas there to start our day. I only ever have toast in the morning. Do you have it then during the day as well, you two? I have it throughout the day. Whenever I'm hungry, sort of in mid-afternoon, before, like, it's too early to have dinner, but I'm, there's been too much of a gap between lunch and the point that I'm at, I'll have a nice slice of toast. 
what is wrong with late night cheese on toast? How are you missing that one, Orlando? <laughs> I mean, only having toast in the morning, you're missing you're missing the cheese on toast. That is the ultimate. That's what that is what toast is for. <laughs> <laughs> it's a quick lift, actually. Toast, doesn't it? It gives you a, a, a both an emotional boost and a, a, a kind of boost of sugars and things like that to perk up your energy. It's quite it? childhood memory as well, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's all those sort of things that make you smile and, 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 and you know, it, it makes you feel warm inside. It does indeed. Well, uh, Tom, you've mentioned already some of the more exciting kinds of bread that there are out there. Um, I mean, it's such a big subject that we, we want to try and cover all the different types as much as we can. You've got everything from your classic white loaf, your Italian breads, your French breads, your sourdough, your flat breads, your pizza dough and even your nan breads. Do you love them all, Tom, or have you got some special favourites? No, I, I mean, to be honest, all of them are amazing. I, I, I absolutely love them. But, I mean, for me, a classic white French baguette where it's slightly chewy and crispy, like lovely. Like, I mean, when you go and you spend time in Paris and you see those wonderful artisan bakers and they've created these wonderful, the small individual baguettes where they're very thin at the end mm. so you've got this really crunchy pointy little tips of this that there's almost no bread in the middle of them that they they're amazing. It. exactly they twirl, they twirl the tip, it and yeah. then and then in the middle it's just delicious and it's very very simple it's not over complicated with flavors it's not it's just this wonderful beautiful dough cooked uh, cooked amazingly little dusting of flour the oven is quite important that it's cooked in because that helps it give it the crust and the flavor and the you know all of it everything about a bread like that is just so that the for me the simpler the bread but the better but again so much of it comes down to the process the flour the the understanding of it i mean it's one of those things that are essentially what three four ingredients that have just been mixed together who created with love looked after and cooked and if you get all of those simple things right that for me a french baguette is the ultimate can that be made in britain or, yeah, of course or, it can. Yeah, it yeah. can be made, but can it be made quite the same way? Is there some magic about everything coming together in a Paris bakery with uh, watching these bakers I think dart you can around. fall in love with it more if you're wandering around the streets of Paris or you're you're in some farmhouse somewhere in, in, in mid-France and there's some amazing cheese and some, like Rosie says, some salted butter that comes in. You're sat at a table and a lovely French country farmhouse pate turns up. You know, that is just like, this is amazing. Yes, you can have that in this country. Of course you can. And the flavours can be as good. Bakers are equally as good in this country. But there's something about the romance. It's like, is pasta as good in, in this country as when you're eating it? somewhere in Italy it's the same sort of thing that you fall in love with the heart and the soul and the romance of it but yeah that bread is easily as good in this country I was thinking that maybe that shattery crust that they have on the baguettes in France was something to do with the French dry climate or something because there's something about that that brittle kind of snappy finish that it has that Maybe it's just my imagination, but in France it just seems to be a bit crisper somehow. Uh, well, I, I, think, I think it would depend on your baker. I mean, I think it would depend on your baker. And the, the oven and the process is nothing to do really with the atmosphere. It's to do with the flour. And the, the ste there's a steaming process that goes into the bread that helps create that crust. So it's there's a lot of technicalities that you need to get right. Yeah, It's not it's not the environment outside, sadly, Orlando. It's to do with, <laughs> it's to do with the skills of the baker. There's so many bits to baking but uh, we've had a couple of questions in via Instagram about uh, ovens um, saying you know do you need a special oven to bake bread 
What, what's your view of that? No, but it does depend on the type of bread you, that you're going to cook. To get those French baguettes, you, you want almost like a stone-based oven with that you can get, have steam injection or... Fr- like, it can all become quite complicated. But if you're just making a simple loaf of bread, no, you can definitely do it at home. It's no problem at all. It is a simple thing to do. Yeah, it is a simple thing to do. It can get very techy in the kind of high Yeah, high you don't need to be nerdy about yeah. bread. It's fine. Yeah. You know, bread is just lush as it is. And the more you do it, the more you practice it, the better you get at it. Yeah. You can use a um, a Dutch oven or a casserole like a Le Creuset to recreate the kind of steamed environment that you find in some of the baking ovens. And that's something that was really championed by the baker Chad Robertson from Tartine in San Francisco. Um, and his sourdough is kind of what a lot of people these days base their sourdough That's on. That's like the most amazing place ever, isn't it? It's Tartines. Tartines. So, yeah, so good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's such a great so place. So just to explain that, Rosie, that's where you take a casserole, with a lidded cast yeah. casserole, you put your bread, your cold dough in that, and then yes. you put that lid on and you put the whole thing into the oven. Yes. and if I'm... People find that really, really odd, <laughs> but it does work and it, it, it somehow makes a wonderful crust. Yeah, exactly, because it? it's enclosed. And it also what I do when I make sourdough is I put the dough in there, score it and then splash it with a bit of water. So just with my fingertips, uh, I just toss a bit of water onto the top of the loaf. And then once the lid goes on and it goes into that hot oven, that creates steam, which in turn creates a really good crusty crust. Does anyone know why? (laughs) We love a crusty (laughs) crust. (laughs) Does anyone know why steam is making this bread crusty? Because you'd think steam would make the bread damp. Am I being stupid here? Science. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I can't tell you what that exactly is. But it is true, isn't it? You you, yeah. you you need steam to create a good crust. Yeah, it's one of those it's one of those processes that you think, how can that work? It's like brining chicken or brining meat. You think, mm. well, you're putting salt, so then surely that dries it out. But actually, it helps lock in moisture. So it's you know, it's one of it is it's 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 the science of it. It's the science of it. To go back to the beginning, for people who aren't very experienced about baking bread, what would you say? is the simplest simplest loaf to start with for a beginner. Something, uh, we can't say it won't go wrong, but we'll try and make it not go wrong for someone who hasn't made bread before. But soda likes bread. the idea. Soda, soda bread. Soda bread is the, the simplest, it's the easiest. There's no proving, there's no, it's literally a case of mixing your ingredients together, um, rolling it into the shape you want it, sticking it in the oven and baking it. Like there's, the, it is the easiest one to And do. there's no kneading. It's just mix and, mix and, yeah, mi- mix and go. Mi- yeah, you're not you're not working the glutens in the flour to stretch them to the, to to create that bread doughy kind of like texture that you're looking for. You're you're looking for, I mean, you're making a, a soft mix. It's a, almost like a cake mix, almost. And and basically, you shape it, stick it in the oven, and bake it. And and it's beautiful. I mean, it's a very old, you know, Irish kind of bread that is just delicious. But very very simple. And the raisin agent, funny enough, comes from soda. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's bicarbonate of soda. That is, yeah. And baking powder as well sometimes. You can, yeah, sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then if you wanted uh, to move on from making soda bread to uh, the fir- your first kind of uh, yeasted bread, would that be a, a simple white bread or a wholemeal bread? Yeah, I, I would go with a simple white bread, you know, lovely strong wholemeal flour, uh, strong flour, not wholemeal flour. Um 
And, it, you know, it, it don't, it, the big thing that a lot of people do is they don't activate the yeast properly. What happens is they'll either mix it with cold water or they'll put it in water that's too hot that kills it. So they mix it with cold water and it doesn't prove long enough and they think this bread-making monarch is painful because they have to wait hours and hours and hours for it to prove. It's, it's finding the right temperature for the, the you mix the yeast into the liquid. Yeah. But, yeah, it is very, very simple. Like, it, it really is simple. Flour, pinch of salt, pinch of sugar, a <laughs> little bit of yeast in infuse water, knead it together, leave it to prove. Yeah. Some people are worried about kneading and they're not sure how to lo- how long to knead it for. We've had some questions in on social media from Nick Akalus and Genevieve JH and Rowan Like the Tree. Lots of people wondering how to knead. Is it some magic problem kneading or is it really simple? Well, I tend to make a no-knead uh, quite a no need well, sourdough bread. That's a, that's a sourdough. Which doesn't require so much yeah. actual kneading. But I mean, I think with kneading, it's just a case of, you know, getting your hands in there and really giving it a good go and you stretching keep, it. And You keep stretching using the yeah. palm of your hand and you just keep like pushing it away from you and rolling it back and pushing it away from you, rolling it back, pushing it away from you, rolling it back. And you just keep going and going and going almost until the dough becomes really quite elasticy mm. and got a bit of a shine on it. And you just keep working it. You just keep working it. I mean, it, I mean, you could do it in a mixer with one of the with a dough hook and leave it in there for ages. That would also do the same thing. It works it and it works it fine. But you know, isn't the, the whole joy of making bread for me? It's about kind of really getting involved in using your hands and and feeling your way with it, and you know, feeling the the strength and the gluten building up. And I think that's part of the reason people love making bread, is because it is a hands on, really an, tangible, an, satisfying thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. You just keep stretching it, and you feel the dough become kind of like tight but more elasticy, and it's, it's, it, you'll feel it and you just got to just keep working at it. We have a video on bbcgoodfood.com so you can actually see what it's meant to look like. But I reckon it's about five to ten minutes, which seems quite a long time. But if you if you really put your back into it, it's quite a long time. So I, I put on the radio and, and the timer or, or have a clock nearby. And then in five to ten minutes, I think it, it's, it's always done in ten minutes, isn't it? But yeah. something seems to, it's, it all gets to the point where nothing further is happening. It's nice and elastic. I know that some people they hold it up and stretch it. Window a bit. pane. The window Explain pane. Explain that to us, Rosie. So how does that work? That's basically to to see how the gluten's developed in the dough. You pull it, pull it sort of taut, and you can. What should happen if the dough is ready and if the gluten's been developed is that you can pull it so it creates a kind of window pane, an almost translucent window pane that you can see through. And if it tears, it isn't. It's not quite it's, ready. It's not quite ready. Yeah, you want it to be nice and. Um, elastic. Yes. And then the proving is another mysterious problem for a lot of people. This this idea that you have to go away and do something else for, for an eternity and then come back and has it this famous doubled in size. Um, how do you approach that, Rosie? Do you put it in a special place, cover it up, your bread? Yeah, well, with the one, the sourdough that I make, I tend to... Um, prove it and then put it in the fridge overnight so it's kind of fermenting slowly. In the fridge, yeah. yeah in the fridge. And then I take it out and do That's it again. That's sourdough, isn't yeah, it? That... If, if it's normal bread, you, you, you'd you be doing it at room temperature, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. literally just put, Warm a, room put, put a tea towel over the top or a bit of cling film and then you leave it to almost double in size and then knock it back so take it back and then so knocking it back go through that kneading process again but not for 10 minutes just just keep knocking it back taking the air out of it again then put it into its shape 
yes. of whatever it's going to be or into its loaf tin and then leave it to prove again to no. the point of wh- where you pretty much want it to, to, to where it's about seven eighths of the size of the loaf of bread that you want it to be because then when you put it into the oven that should be relatively hot it will then that hot air will suddenly make it rise a little bit more so you want to get it that second prove is to almost to the point of the size of the loaf where you want it to be and that final push in the oven is called oven spring isn't it is that what it's called it's called oven spring that final push upwards that it it gives but the the timings for the proofs these two proving stages worry people and that's because you can't really put a time on it you have to look and look and see whether it's almost doubled you're saying that it needs to almost double each time is that right tom is yeah, that's pretty the much. ideal well, but by the time when you knock it back after its first proving you won't get it quite back to the same state that the dough was in from its first proof because yeah. it's because it now has a lot more air in it. So you knock it back and then you put it into But all of this, we're making this sound really complicated. It's not. Basically, just beat it up, take the air out of it, stick it <laughs> stick it in the shape you want to, leave it to grow again, stick it in the oven. Like, yeah. it really is that simple. Let's, I mean, we're making it sound like this is mad science. And yes, it is when you're a baker and you're doing it professionally, you're doing it, and it is, and it's all about touch and feel and heart and soul, and it's your profession. But if you're making it at home, it doesn't really matter what the bread looks like. It doesn't really matter how long you're proving it for. If you don't do it in a rush, like don't rush around going, I'm making bread for lunch. You've got to, bread will be ready when it's ready. Mm. All you worry about is what it's going to taste like, and it will taste delicious. Like it really, it is a really simple process. Don't, don't overthink about it. Don't worry about it. It will be fine. And if yeah. you're in, if you're interested in bread, there are so many books out there. There are so many incredible books. There are so many videos on good food and, and other places. You know, you can really, it depends how geeky you want to get with it. If you want to get obsessed with it, then go for it. And if you want to do something more simple, then give that a go. And it really is just about practice and, and experience and getting a feel for your dough. Yeah. I wonder if a really good thing for, to start with, which would be really reassuring for some, would be flatbread. Yeah, because totally. you you haven't got these shaping problems and flatbread or pizza, it's going to be delicious if you make, if it's homemade, isn't it? And you blast it in a hot oven, you it's going do, to be quite wonderful. You can do flatbreads that you can actually cook in a skillet as well. So in a, I, a skillet being a, 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 fry, a heavy, frying, heavy yeah, so a cast pan. iron yeah. um, frying pan that you get really really hot, and you can make a dough just with self raising flour and yogurt. Um, and the yogurt reacts with the with the um, uh, baking soda in the in the self raising flour, and that it's an unleavened bread, but it puffs up when you mix the yogurt in. Yeah. Or sour cream also works, and and then you just knead it and make a flatbread, roll it out. You can use a rolling pin and then just stick it in a frying pan or skillet, and you've got a really instant flatbread that's so nice with curry or stew or just to you know just to put brush with on. garlic butter yeah olive little, oil little bit of grated yeah. cheese stick it in the oven you got like cheese on toast again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> flatbread pizza yeah. um, don't the Australians take a handful of that and, and put it on the end of a stick and then put it in a bonfire and oh, that's damper bread isn't Ooh. that? It, I think they take they take like a handful and, and and kind of gather it round a stick and then shove it in a bonfire. Wouldn't that burn it? Uh, obviously, it'd be on the outside bit of the bonfire, wouldn't it? No, it doesn't burn it. It's called damper. Oh, it sounds good. Um, well, let's hope that we get some friendly Australians getting in touch and telling us about damper bread. Send us your damper <laughs> bread pics, guys. <laughs> Still to come on BBC Good Foods podcast with Tom Kerridge. It's essentially a razor blade on a handle and you just slash it. But some people do amazing elaborate designs. 
Yeah, don't look at me for that. That's why That's why we bought bakers in. That's why we buy our sourdough. <laughs> Although I am listening to it. Maybe we you fancy making the sourdough for us? Uh, I, I'll give it a go. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I think now is the time when we should actually eat a piece of bread because we have got baking a few feet away and Jack is now approaching with the freshly baked onion soda bread. This is a recipe from BBC Good Food and it's served with a rather special butter mm. and this is Tom's recipe. Oh, it's a oh, very beautiful... It's peaky. It's uh, Speaking of Australia, it's got a slightly Sydney Opera House look to it, hasn't it? <laughs> is that what you were going <laughs> Yeah, that is the look we were going for. <laughs> but it is this one of those very, very... So this is an adaptation of a recipe that I've had for well over 25 years from a, a from a I, I robbed it off a pastry chef that I was working with and we um and we play around with this recipe and we actually serve this soda bread or an ad- adaptation of this soda bread this one this one is a little more complicated this one's got onion seeds through it and an onion flakes and nigella seeds and it's a, this is um so this is kind of more of a flavored soda bread the one that we use at the hand of flowers is um we make fresh every day with cracked black pepper in it it's a very true authentic irish recipe but the bread that we have the, the white bread that we have at the hand of flowers is always from um it's a, it's a sourdough that a baker makes. We don't make the sourdough there. We we are, we got to the point, we used to make white bread rolls and we used to get, but, you know, the more I discover, the, the more we recognize what we do is, as chefs, we're chefs, okay? So we cook stuff and we're good at that. But hold on a minute, there's bakers out there mm. that are making amazing bread. So if I can get the best bread possible from brilliant bakers, why aren't I getting that? And it's also a time scale thing. Sourdough takes 24, 48 hours by the time that's that slow proved, baked, you know, and that process that you have to go through, that also means that's a that's a space thing. You know, if you're having to do 15 loaves a day that are quite big, they, it suddenly becomes, we as a business, we couldn't cope with that, but we really still wanted to make our own bread. So this so- soda bread, we do ourselves every single day and it is beautiful. It's very, very simple. It is a case of mixing those ingredients together and we're serving this here with some whipped English uh, mustard butter. So it's, it's very simple. Salt, English mustard, butter whipped together. So it's, you know, onion bread, mustard butter, super tasty. So let's let's tuck in. Onion flakes are in the bread to get to give obviously a, a bit of extra flavour, and they're not a particular familiar, particularly familiar ingredient. But you can buy them everywhere. Yeah, buy them everywhere. Do, dried do, onion flakes. Do you have flakes. them in your cupboard, Rosie? Onion, 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 onion granules. Onion no, granules dried onion, onion flakes. flakes. I've never had a no. I've never had an onion flake. You might now, mate. You're, you that'll Is be it. It's going to change my life. It's going to change your life. This will be it. You. So they give texture. They give flavour. They're um. And they're just yep. they're just tr- dried little up little bits of onion, aren't they? They are. They're yeah. they're, they're easily obtainable, but I, I've kind of seen them. But I wasn't quite sure who was buying them for what. But I used them for some barbecue recipes to give a bit of barbecue hit. So I do have them, and I have garlic granules as well. Garlic Could granules. Yeah. Garlic, gra- garlic granules or gan- gran- garlic flakes? Could you put them in this bread as well? Absolutely, it works as a great vehicle for adding all sorts of different stuff into it. And uh, you know, it, it it works really nicely. And if you the, the more you bake it, the longer you bake it. We've got a time on here for about an hour but you know if you bake it for longer the thicker the crust will be it depends how long you you know and and don't be scared of playing around with it just keep going you know it's an easy one to make you know? and do, do you eat it fre- uh, fresh that day yes fresh that day that's when you want to eat and it that's when it's best would you toast this or does it get a bit a bit no. hard and no it toasts lovely 
toast yeah. really, really nice. Normally, it's made with um, buttermilk, but this recipe we're using yogurt because it's a little easier to get hold mm. of. Mm. I love the seeds. I'm a real fan of adding seeds into breads. Mm. I think it just gives so much nice texture and extra f- nuttiness and flavour. Mm. That's delicious. And the nigella seeds and the oats. Um, no, no, it's a lovely thing. Um, these these um, whipped butters, that's quite a restaurant thing, Tom. Do you serve them chilled or at room temperature? Do, room temperature. Room temperature. Like, like all like... butter should be. You can't spread it otherwise. Yeah. So it's kind of like... Compound and flavoured butters are really good. They're a nice way of adding all sorts of flavours into dishes completely. But it's also a really nice thing of getting a flavour into a into bread courses at the beginning. Lots of people do them with smoked cod's row, maybe, or do them with, um, like you say, wild garlic or herbs. Or you know, there's loads of different things that you can put through it. But it works really nicely with mustard. It's yeah. lovely. That would be really. I mean, if you fried off a load of little crispy bacon bits mm. or, or bake some like flaked ham through the oven. Then mix that through it as well. You know, you, all these butters, you could just keep adding flavours to them. They're a lovely way of putting extra, an extra dimension, another layer, another layer of taste onto your bread. And where are you on dipping bread into olive oil? Because sometimes you have a, a pool, you're given a little pool of, of extra virgin olive oil. If Maybe it's good olive oil, With a go drop for it. of balsamic vinegar in it. Is I also good? think that that depends on the bread. I think there's certain breads that work really well with ciabatta and focaccia. Like those mm. Italian-style breads, yeah. absolutely beautiful, really good olive oils. They kind of soak them all up like a sponge. They're also really good. I mean, the beautiful thing about those sort of breads is they're great when they're that little bit older and you can drizzle them in oil and bake them in the oven and make these amazing, crispy, kind of crunchy croutons with loads of rocks on the top. That You know, a bread is such a versatile thing to use. It's, it is beautiful. If you've got leftover bread as well, it's, it's such a good thing to use in salads or in soups and sometimes even to bulk out sauces as well. The Italians are really good at doing that, aren't they? Using up bread in in their cooking soak it in a bit of milk you know and add it to a sauce or add it to a soup and it really adds a creaminess we do a tomato soup recipe where quite often people use potatoes as a soup base hmm. recipe as the thickening agent and it's like it, 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 but for us we do fresh tomatoes cooked very very quickly you know the whole soup is made within about six minutes like it's onions caramelized really quickly tomatoes thrown in um, and let them break down really quickly and then as you blend it you throw in a load of stale bread so the bread is the thickening agent so it keeps the tomatoes the freshness and everything so you're not getting that soups are beautiful particularly in the autumn and winter when they're a bit more stewed and cooked out this is a summer one where it's keeping everything crisp and clean and vibrant so it works really really quickly so stale bread going through something like that works incredibly well there's that marvelous san francisco roast chicken salad as well from zuni cafe where she takes chunks of bread and they soak up all the chicken juices and i mean how lush is that it's extra sort of chickeny yeah um I want to talk about a little bit about yeast now and then go back to sourdough because we've, we've been raving about sourdough, how wonderful it is. But before we get to sourdough, just let's knock off yeast. There, there's, there are different types of dried yeast and then there's fresh yeast. And it's a fairly kind of terrifying field if you haven't, haven't been into it. Do, do we need to get fresh yeast? And if we do need fresh yeast, how do we get it? You can get fresh yeast from the supermarket from the from the from the bread counter. Yeah, you can get a big, fresh if it's a big enough store. Yeah, you just can go and ask get for it. it. Yeah, just go and, and ask for it. Yeah, yeah, definitely go and ask for it. Yeah, I mean we've run out many occasions in the restaurants and have to go and ask for it. So, <laughs> so you use you use fresh yeast. Always preference. use fresh yeast, just because 
we get through so much of it. We, we use a lot of it. And it's just everything I've always known. But dried yeast, I understand. But you've got to activate the packet, the dried powder. I've not, to be honest, I've not used it. You can but, get very good fast action dried yeast sachets now that, that are pretty pretty reliable. Okay. And they say they say whether they want you to sprinkle it into the directly in the flour or activate it first. Yeah, don't they, they do. tell you on the packet. And, and the good thing about getting the sachets is if you buy the tubs of dried yeast, they can they expire quite quickly. Yeah. Whereas if you've got the sachets, they stay fresh. I've thrown a lot away of the, the of the tubs because I've used a spoon, a few spoonfuls, and then you leave it, and it's two two months has gone, and the whole thing's dead. And that's very disappointing. If your bread doesn't rise, you've you've really got you've a problem on your hands. Some time there, yeah. Um, so fresh yeast is a is a nice idea. I mean, it's just an odd substance, and that you you mix that with a little bit of water to make a sort of creamy thing, and then you use it in your bread. Exactly that. Um, yeah. And then the bread recipe follows as it would in the normal way. It's no different once you've yeah. Added the li- the, it's it, the liquid that's got the active live yeast in it that's being mixed into your dry ingredients, and yeah. you leave it to prove. You knead it and leave it to prove. Yeah. It, I mean, it is. I mean, we, it does sound as we're talking about it. It makes it sound really complicated, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's not. It's no. not complicated. Just see the yeast as an ingredient, like sugar or salt or whatever else, and just, you know, don't worry about it. Okay, now you've mentioned complication. We're going to get to sourdough. Now, sourdough is a bit of a challenge for a lot of people. Um, we've got a great expert on the good food team. Barney Desmazri is a Mr. Sourdough, King Sourdough. He is. I watch um, him he, on Instagram. He, he's, he's a, I mean, he's I'm obsessed. bored of his bread. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> he's obsessed with sourdough and he does videos and all sorts. And has a, I think he has a sourdough school. But I take it that you have a sourdough starter on the go, do you, Rosie? Yes. Yeah, there's one in the fridge at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I tend to just keep it in the fridge um, and then activate it as and when I need to use it. So um, the day before I'm going to bake a sourdough, I'll get my starter out and I'll feed it and get it nice and lively. Um, and actually... What do you mean by feeding it? Feeding it. So sorry, like add, a pepperoni. So you, <laughs> you give it a nice slice of toast and honey. Um, no, you feed it with flour and water to to get it activated, um, and so that it so that it livens up. Because what happens when you keep it in the fridge is it's still alive, but it kind of goes to sleep, um, and it doesn't really do much, um, especially if it's been in there for a while. Um, so you you just need to refresh it, feed it, get it nice and um, fizzy and lively again, and then you can use it. And actually, I haven't found that my that my starters tend to die that much. So um, you know, lots of people say, oh, it's so hard to keep them going. But if you keep it in the fridge, it you know it should keep quite well. It might develop a little bit of dark liquid on top, but you can just stir it in. Um, and then, or wait. some people throw that away if they don't like it. But yeah, I mean, if either, it smelt really rank and if it was mouldy, then you throw it away. But most of the time, it just smells a little bit boozy. And once you once you you know dilute it with more flour and water again then it's good to go how thick do you keep your sourdough starter rosie because people differ some people seem to have it rather thin and i've done i've done both actually at the moment mine's mine's relatively thick it's it's kind of slightly thinner than a putty but it's you know it's really quite thick on the spoon um i'm trying to think it's kind of thicker than double cream it's some people have it a bit like pancake batter. Yeah. And it, it looks very bubbly, but I 
I, I think it's probably easier if you keep it a bit thicker and you, you're giving it more, you're feeding it more flour. And if it gets thin, you give it, you feed it more flour. You just give it a bit of extra flour. Yeah, and I think you get into a groove as well, and you you, you realise what works for you and um and and how it feels. And some people find it tragic having the, the fact that when you refresh it, you have to throw away some of the old stuff because you only want to take a small part of the starter and you use that as a refresher. But I think you, you just have to kind of get over that, don't you? You also don't you don't need to throw it away. The system that I use, you don't actually throw it away. You you refresh it um, and then you you take what you need to make the next loaf and then you put the remainder back in the fridge. Right. But if you do have more, you can use it for crumpets, um, you know, or blinis. There's lots of things you can use it for. Um, so, you know, you don't need to waste it or give it to a friend and then they can make their own sourdough. So so I wouldn't worry about throwing it away. And what percentage of, of that starter do you normally add to to the bread, to the flour mix? What sort of percentage is it? It's about It's about 130 grams. And there's about 400 grams of flour. So you do the <laughs> Just over a quarter. Over a quarter. I told you no numbers. Just, just, just. <laughs> um, with sourdough, one of the most attractive things about it is the scoring that people do on the top. Is there a secret to that? Where, where people make the lovely patterns they do. Being artistic. <laughs> do, do you use a razor blade? I, or yeah, a, I use or a, a lame, they call it. Um, and I just slash it, basically. A gold lame dress. Yeah. <laughs> uh, always dressed in one of those when I'm making sourdough, obviously. Um, yeah, I just use, I just use a, it's essentially a razor blade on a handle and you just slash it. But some people do amazing elaborate designs. Petals and things like that. Yeah, don't look at me for that. That's why That's why we bought bakers in. That's why we buy our sourdough. <laughs> what do I am listening to? I go, maybe we you fancy making a sourdough for us? Uh, uh, I, I'll give it a go. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I love it when the, when they make the sourdough in one of those baskets with the lines around the edge. The bannetons. And then they invert it. And so you get all the the, The the concentric lines and then you do your petal cuts into that and the whole thing is a a work of art. It's too beautiful beautiful to eat, isn't it? Barney does all that stuff. The best sourdough bread I discovered is in Manchester. I have to be honest with you. Not Uh, San Francisco. (laughs) No, there's an amazing bakery called Pollen and the sourdough bread there is just brilliant. I bet you they'd sell some of their starter as well because people have, bakers are very generous with their starter generally. They they often have a lot of it lying around and it's, although it is kind of magical, it's nice to share your starter if someone wants it. I've given away my starter to lots of lots of people. Yeah, and I think so many sourdough bakeries would happily give it to you as well if you ask because there's a real culture of that sharing knowledge and, and trying to enable people to make real bread at home. Um, so if you do live near a sourdough bakery and you want to have a go, just go and either offer to pay for some or, you know, they might even give you some. I think I think they would, would give you a small pot of it and, and share share the love. Yeah. <laughs> um, we mentioned food mixers earlier. I I do get a bit bored sometimes with with the heavy kneading work. Um, and I do have used a dough hook. And I think it makes no difference to the end result. If, do you think it makes any difference? Do you prefer a, a hand-kneaded loaf, Tom? Or per, Personally, from a professional point of view, it's a dough hook every time just because of the volume. You know, if at home I'm going to make it and I'll make it with my little man, then we'll do, you know, we'll, we'll have a go at kneading, but I've got to be honest, he'll get bored quite quickly, so it'll end up, we'll, we'll revert to the dough hook. Yeah. Like, it, it, but it's, I don't think it makes a difference. I think the end, 
the heart and soul that you put into mixing the ingredients together, the kneading bit, use the machine. And then when you knock it back and the shaping, that's where that's where it's all about your hands. That's where it comes to me. That's the, that bit. The ro- If you're making them into the bread rolls, the rolling, the way that you touch, the feel, the, that bit there is, is really, really important. But just on a commercial scale when you're making it, you know, it is, you know, you're making a sourdough bakery on is are not proving hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of loaves of bread by uh, uh, needing hundreds of loaves of bread by hand they're doing it you know they are doing it in a machine but then it comes to the shaping bit that's when their touch feel that's where their heart and soul goes into it so i don't think it matters too much yeah and there's nothing quite like the touch of a beautiful uh piece of dough i mean it's a it's a lovely feeling mm. um it's sort of silky isn't it it and is but it is one of those cases you gotta get used to it because at first it's when you, it's when people have never done it before and they just get it you get yeah, it stuck on all of your fingers and you're like that and then you've got clumps like at the end of your fingers and it just like, this is this is ridiculous this can't be right you have to that's where you have to keep going because that's when it that's when the gluten start reactivating and, and moving together and sticking together and pulling together and it comes away from your hands and it becomes that tighter shinier dough but it's, it's quite funny to watch. I went on a, on a course yeah. many years ago uh, uh, for beginner bread makers, and we all had identical identical ingredients, identical amounts of water. And there was one person there who must have had some problem with their hands or something because they were like it was like spaghetti. Everything they were absolutely glued to, and everything they did, they glued themselves. So we swapped, <laughs> and we gave her the the the, the, the bread, the loaf that we'd made, the dough that we'd made. And then she started to touch it and she was all attached to it. Like, it was like a horror <laughs> film, like Gloop, Queen of Gloop. Very, very <laughs> frightening, frightening stuff. See, she's probably scarred for life now, never went back, never made bread again. That was it. There she, was there was some real problem with her, her hands. I, they were wet, <laughs> wet hands. You can't knead bread with actually wet hands, can you? But why were they wet? We never did. We never did find out. That's a different, you know, sweaty hand bread. That's a new flavour on me. She'd be fine with sourdough because you need wet hands to, to handle the dough because it's so sticky. I wish we'd known that. So we she should have just... done a sourdough course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are things that she could have learned to make, but but the bread she did get too attached to for sanity. Anyway, we'd better finish the end of this lovely, well, try and finish the soda bread because it's winking at us delightfully so thank you very much indeed chef tom and food writer rosie and see you all soon see you later (laughs) thank you for listening to the bbc good food podcast with tom kerridge subscribe now to never miss an episode and to find out more about the recipes we've been talking about go to bbcgoodfood.com 